Programming Throwdown, episode 89, From Combat to Code with the Jerome Hardaway. Take it away, Jason. Hey, everyone. Uh, as Patrick said, we have Jerome with us. Um, Jerome is a, you know, combat veteran, and um, he's, you know, started his career out, you know, in the military, and then after that has moved on, uh, and we'll kind of, you know, listen about uh, his story and um, also the amazing work he's doing with uh, with a group called Vets Who Code. And along the way, you know, he'll be able to tell a lot of us something which I know a lot of people out there are interested in, um, which is how do we sort of retool? You know, maybe we've done, uh, you know, one career for five years, 10 years, 30 years, and we just get this passion to, to you know, get into software development, get into engineering. Um, you know, how do we go about realizing, you know, that dream? And uh, that's what we have uh, Jerome here to talk about today. Uh, Roger that. Hey guys, how you doing? It's a very, uh, very good day and like awesome to meet you guys. So thank you for having me. Cool. So why don't you start by kind of walking us through, um, you know, did you, um, you know, go in kind of uh, through uh, university to school? Did you go from high school to the to the military? Kind of what was that transition like? How about you know, military to civilian, civilian to coder? Like kind of walk us through that whole story. Uh, Roger that. Um, uh, it's it's kind of like military to veteran. Like you're not, you're never like back to civilian. And you just like, <laughs> okay. hey, you're a civilian, military, veteran, and then while being a veteran, you're a programmer. Ah, I see. Uh, okay. Yeah. So when I was civilian back in my younger years, four score and seven <laughs> years ago, <laughs> when I was yeah. a wee lass, uh, <laughs> uh, I ended up going straight into the Air Force uh, from high school. I actually was at a performing arts high school. And I had a uh, I had a scholarship to go to college, but it was in something I just I didn't have a real passion. And I couldn't see myself, you know, in orchestra and piano and stuff forever. So and doing crazy things with that. So I ended up opting for the military. And um, one of the things that kind of happened was I wanted to actually do something and the war on terror was really at its apex at that point. So even though I had high enough scores, I chose to go towards the security forces route. Um, in cool. retrospect, that probably was a silly thing to do, but when you're 17 and, you know, hocked up on testosterone, <laughs> So what, was this like around 2001 or, or what? Oh, oh no, this is around 2004, 2004. 2004. Okay. Yeah, cool. I graduated in four. I'm old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, oh, so that was, yeah, so, I mean, that's true. Cause the, so September 11th is what I was thinking of. But then, you know, after that, there was just, you know, there's this sort of this escalation, right? And so when you were getting into it, it was still, you know, it was, it was really hot. It was, it was really heating up. It was really, yeah, the, it was a, we were transitioning from the way we used to do combat operations in the military, which more regimented to this more dynamic, um, dynamic flow. And I look at it from like what I'm doing in tech now to how we were doing in the military. It was very, very unique on how similar those things were because it 
it was like agile methodologies and Kanban. It just had long military names. We're using AEF cycles and things like that. When you call it AEF cycle, we call it sprint, right? Uh, some of the stuff like that. So it was very, very unique in how the, as I've gone from, you know, how, as I went from rookie to, you know, being military and few deployments in, in uh, under my belt and, uh, as, as I'm in tech, how the not how that skills and experience transfer has continuously like you know shifted. So you know just how things are different. But yeah, so I went in security forces and did a few. I did went to Iraq, went to Kambuka, uh, Iraq, went to Afghanistan. None close uh, uh, location. Does doesn't have a. <laughs> I don't know if it has a name yet, uh, but I, when we were there, it didn't have a name. Uh, been uh, South Korea and a couple of other crazy cool deployments that I don't talk about because sure. I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, uh, yeah, we don't. We don't need uh, someone kicking down the door uh, right now. I don't, know, like, we don't <laughs> want. Like, I don't want anybody uh, in a suit asking me to uh, any more questions for a very long time. Totally. So um, yeah, so I was there. I was in uh, Operation Duran Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom, and once I ended up uh, decided that I was going to leave the military in 2009, it was under this uh, guise that you know DD214 was going to be my magic ticket. I was so gonna, sorry. What is that? For, so I don't actually know what that is. The, the magic ticket. The DD, you know, magic t- the magic ticket is a joke about Willy Wonka, right? Yeah, but yeah. That, that's, how, that's how veterans treat their DD two fourteen. Basically, DD two fourteen is the paperwork that you get when you leave the military that states that hey, you have fulfilled your service in the military. Wow. Is you know, it's your magic ticket because like once you have your successful term, if you're honorably discharged. Um, it basically opens you up to all your veteran benefits like GI Bill, um, what well, GI Bill, veteran housing loans, stuff like that, uh, veteran business loans, stuff like you know, it's all those systems that you know it's a magic ticket to hey yeah I can go out here and do amazing things. What they did not tell me was that at the time when I was getting out, because you know the bubble thing is real and there's no. Uh, more concrete bubble than the military bubble. Uh, so they didn't tell me when I was leaving in uh, the military. I said there was this thing called the Great Recession going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I had no idea what was going that that was. I was like, you know, skipping out the gate. And what was going on when I when I was out? I really, you know, I was getting this. Thank you for your service, but your skills aren't. Um, we don't have anything for you or you don't have the skills for it. So what, is, you know, just, just to give some better, like what, uh, what did you go into the air force to do? So I was security forces, uh, essentially it's a combat career field, combat security career field. Got it. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, when you spend, you know, half a decade carrying an M4 carbine and a nine millimeter, you know, when you get out of civilian for, um, in the civilian sector, uh, unless you're doing that, there's not really a lot of jobs that are open up to you. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah, so I was 2000, so I'm 2000, 2000, 2009, 2010, I'm looking around, I'm like, yo, um, 
I'm being told that, you know, thank you for my service, but you're essentially useless in the civilian sector. Don't like that. That sucks. Mm -hmm. uh, what do I do to fix it? I happen to see this commercial on Facebook about like learning how to code. Like they had some guy that was like, uh, I think he was in the Miami heat. He was a like tall, tall guy. Oh, okay. And I guess he was, he was a uh, computer science major as well, but he played, basketball now uh they had mark zuckerberg in it and will i am that i do you remember that annoying code uh dot org commercial with will i am in it you're like shut up <laughs> you know i never <laughs> saw that but uh but i can ima i'm picturing in my head you know somebody with a really high-pitched auto-tune voice you know telling me it, it, to learn c plus plus you know it's like it, I don't know. it wasn't <laughs> it was a high pitch but will i am is just annoying like <laughs> <laughs> so like, please don't if will i am you're listening um no hard feelings uh don't at me irl or on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, so yeah so i was like what is this programming stuff i actually happened to have had a book that i picked up randomly while i was overseas i just had it with me about databases and I was like, what is this? And I was doing some research, had this book, decided I was going to go through this SQL stuff that was in this book. Um, about six, seven months later, had my first job working in Department of Homeland Security as a database um, analyst, scripter, admin of sorts, uh, was Department of Homeland Security. Uh, fast forward to that, um, I end up going to a nonprofit and working there as a quote unquote marketing assistant. But if you ever worked in the business of nonprofits, if you're the youngest person at the nonprofit, you end up handling all the technology stuff because it's just like nonprofits are essentially like, uh, well, classical nonprofits, as I like to say. Mm -hmm. They're essentially like going to your grandmother's house or your grandpa's house. Like, you know, you need to like. You need to already know the Wi-Fi password, yep, or yep. they if they don't know how to work the VCR. Yeah, the VCR is blinking twelve. I was just thinking that. You know, I go to my <laughs> yeah. parents' house and it's still doing that. My dad thinks it's a Zenith twelve, and I just don't. He's seven years old. I don't want to break it to him. You know, but, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to tell him that. Yeah, so, I'm afraid if I set the time that he's just gonna, you know, end up wandering somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, so I was there thinking I, I was going to be doing a lot of design, social media marketing, things like that. And they were like, "Hey, you, you're young. Fix our website." And I looked at this website. It was like something that was outside of like Jurassic Park. Like it was still like a '90s style website. Oh no! Like, it's like GeoCities. Yeah. The, the flowers so then, follow the follow the mouse cursor around. Yeah, it was horrible. Just sad. Like sadness all around. So. I spent three months um, going through that, learning PHP, because this is, I think, well, this is 2011, 2012. So this is before the quote unquote big JavaScript boom. We haven't, you know, Node.js hasn't like dropped, dropped, like, you know, you know, when he dropped Node.js, it was like when Drake dropped his like mixtape, right? We all went <laughs> like, blew. everybody went crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> see, you, I mean, you, you know that analogy. Um, so we were, Doing that with PHP and a CMS, um, content management system. Uh, I'm trying not to use acronyms because some of the people who are listening may be students. Sure, sure. And uh, I was like writing the worst PHP code you could imagine, had no ideas about styles, any of that stuff, uh, learning color theory and design psychology and UX um, all on the fly. Really enjoyed it, really loved it, found out, I like, kind of started finding that my passion was 
you know, UI and UX engineering from that, you know, experience. In three months, I had the first iteration of a, I guess back then, modern web. But if you look at like what modern web is now, like that, now that's an ancient artifact, right? It's really so, interesting how in, in hindsight, you could kind of put the pieces together. So you, know, you have this background in, in, in music, which is, which is about sort of art and symmetry. And then you have this whole sort of experience in the military and then you come back and you're doing web design again kind of focused on front end and and you know being able to build sites with symmetry and, and art and stuff like that well yeah see um i think there's a book out there and they they talk about like the most successful people um in industries like the elon musk of the world they have a unique ability called uh skills transfer, challenge transfer, whatever you want to call it, in which they're picking up things and they're applying, instead of trying to learn it from a whole different point of view, they're using what they learned in their past and doing a knowledge transfer of those skills to apply it to the other things. That's something that helped me with learning how to program. I um, I kind of broke down, like when I was in the military, I broke down how learning my M4A1, like how you would break down learning sheet music. And then when I was learning how to code, I broke down the understanding of front-end development or full-stack development now, the way you would break down the understanding of a weapon. Um, you know, and that's how I teach my veterans as well. I break it down from the concept of, you know, we're starting with the most basic concept. So it's like terminal, then, like, so I'm teaching command line or terminal. Then I'm teaching uh, how to use Git. Then while we're doing Git, we're also going to be learning how to use Git flow. And then while we're using Git flow, we're also going to be learning Kanban. And then once we move on from that, we're going to start, we're going to move on into the Chrome browser. Then once we go from Chrome browser, we're going to also start doing the debugger. And now that we're doing that, now we're going to go to our text editor because text editor uses the same tools that the debugger use, uh, such as console and things of that like, uh, nature. Then from now we're in a text editor, now let's start learning HTML. Now let's start learning CSS. Now let's start learning Java script right yeah that so, makes sense. yeah so that's how i've been you know that's how i train that's how I, you know that's how i train myself that's how i teach you know very um you know a very regimented way so that way you know i can focus on the fundamentals and each skill grows upon each um itself and you know you're always using that skill like to do something else right so that's just uh basically what helped me you know keep moving my career forward and things of that nature fast so, forward to yeah so so, so what about like you know one of the big issues i think in in tech and this might be even more broad it's probably more broad than tech but it affects tech i think the most right now is that there isn't really a solid accreditation and so and so for many places what you have to do is you have to get this four-year degree where you learn you know art history and sociology and these things which which you know some people appreciate and some people don't, but they're not relevant um, to being able to build a solid website, right? So not everyone necessarily wants to go the academic route um, to get into web design or any field like that. And at the moment, you know, the whole trade school idea of tech is just still kind of at the sort of, you know, baby phase, right? Um, and so I think this this is one of those areas where, you know, people in the military you have sort of this like kind of that sort of culture and that knowledge base um 
you know, kind of at, are at this disadvantage because people are just kind of looking for that certificate, right? So what that you, is a big problem. Yeah, what yeah. would you tell employers, um, you know, that something that, that sort of, you know, you can r- like wrap a lot of military folks around and say this is some unique skill set that, you know, just about everyone from the military, just about every veteran can bring to the table. Um, what, what is, uh, you know, what are some things that, that you kind of learned in the military that, um, that any tech employer would really love to have, right? Um, professionalism, being calm under nature, um, being calm when there's a situation going on, like even if you don't know what's going on, being, you know, attention to detail, those are all things that we come, that you need in programming or anything in tech that, you know, you're taught like in the first three months in the military because, you know, we hold attention to detail very high because, you know, our our jobs, lives are at stake. So, you know, while people are, you know, you're at Facebook and your attention to detail may cost a lot of money, you know, in the military, your lack of attention to detail may cost someone, um, you know, may cost someone their life. So that, transfer of that you know that works well i think you hit the nail on a lot of the things that i tell both employers and students right on the head though when you said skill set i tell people it's a skill so don't worry about the um curriculum don't worry about the uh certificate like we don't give certificates of vets code right because i tell yeah, because I'm like, no, this is a skill. What you get into it is what you'll get out of it. You know, that's just the nature of the piece of programming. Um, you have to, you know, it, it's no different than, you know, working out. It's no different than if you wanted to do ballet, if you wanted to learn how to pay, play the piano, if you want to learn how to paint, if you wanted, you know, just the same way with driving. Like you, now, how many of us, when's the last time you thought about driving when you were driving? Yep. It's just unconscious. Yes, because you've been doing it forever. You've been repeating the same concepts and same maneuvers every day for years. That's the same way programming is, right? So it's a game to game out. World champions aren't made because they, you know, go and get a certificate or, you know, the best mixed martial artists in the world. They are not the best because they got a black belt and then they stopped. They're the best because they kept training every day. You know, my favorite, um, I, the first book I make most people who once they join are, um, I guess are what I, it's not truly an executive team. It's like once you go from troop and training to like community member and you're doing things in the program and the product on the product side. Um, first thing I have them listening to is Jocko Willink's discipline equals freedom field manual volume one. Oh, and nice. one of his chap. Yeah, it's my favorite. Uh, one of his chapters is like every day is Monday, which means, you know, you have to arrive and show up every day and be ready to give it your best. Right. Yep. There are no dates off. And that's how I look at programming. Like, you know, you have to, you know, you have to learn things like that. I try to tell people I'm not special in any way, shape or form when it comes to programming. I don't feel like I'm some, you know, rock star programmer. Uh, I've been in the game, I think five years, five, six years, maybe uh, professional since getting paid with the term programmer in my title. If I go back to when I first started writing code longer than that, maybe seven, eight, nine years, mm-hmm. but you know, five years, of getting, you know, oh yes, he is definitely a programmer. He's officially a programmer. Like I feel like you're a programmer when the check says you're a programmer. Yep. So yep. like, 
That's just like I know there's people like you're not you're a developer when you decide that you're a developer. I'm like I'm not a, I'm a developer when someone pays me to do it. Like that's how I felt. Yeah, that makes um, sense. I think it's totally right that 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 you know the people you know practice that that skill every single day. Like I uh, I'm trying to get more into exercise for health reasons. I'm not. If anyone's seen a picture of me, I'm a skinny guy. I'm not going to be you know professional bodybuilder. I can barely. Uh, uh, you know, lift stuff. It's a little embarrassing when I go to the gym, but that's fine. Um, but you know, I was watching this video of this person who uh, um, was is a professional bodybuilder, and uh, he said, "You know, I go to the gym every single day." He said, "You know, on Christmas I'm at the gym. He's on my birthday I'm at the gym." And um, I think that's you know, there's so many things in life where um, you kind of need to, you start off in this state of like let's say unconscious ignorance. You don't know even what what to know. Then you learn, okay, I need to learn, let's say, Node.js. So, so now I set this bar. There's Node.js. I don't know what it is. I need to figure it out. And then you say, okay, I've learned it. I can write some basic things. You know, I have one computer that's always on Google or Stack Overflow helping me and the other computer is where I write my code or two screens. Uh, and then you get to that state of unconscious understanding where you can just open up you know, a text editor, it doesn't even have to have the highlighting and just start writing code because you've been doing it for so long. And just like any skill, you know, I mean, my uncle was a carpenter and he would tell similar stories about, about that skill. And um, yeah, I think it, it, it takes a ton of effort, but uh, the best people have learned to sort of get the most out of kind of every hour and have the dedication to, to put in all of those hours. You're, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. That's why I tell um even from even from our entry level on our program to even when I'm talking to hiring managers, I'm like, you're going to get more out of somebody that shows a willingness to work than someone that has an aptitude um, for it. Because those people who, particularly those people who are willing, like our the way we do it is that uh, we have pre-work. It's the lowest metric that I think I could find. Um, there's no fancy code challenges, nothing like that. We have pre-work where you need to do this stuff in order to get an interview to be a part of it to code. And, you know, you'd be amazed how many people don't want to do that. And the ones who do it, they end up coming in and getting becoming super successful and reaching their goals. Well, that's because the first thing that we do is we're saying, hey, you have to work. You know, uh, there's that saying that success looks, uh, you know, luck looks a lot like um, work to people. Like, and that's what people, they're not, they're not lucky. Um, and it's the same concept at BWC. I try to let them know, you know, every day I am writing code, I'm reading code, I'm watching videos on code. Like, you know, my favorites, uh, Google Google recommends stuff. There's nothing I can't type that, you know, Google will recommend something code related to it. Um, nice. I'm always on Medium. I'm always on GitHub. I'm always on Stack Overflow. Uh, Frontend Masters has become, I mean, you know, I, I have this philosophy of making your homies your heroes. I mean, your heroes your homies, right? So Frontend Masters is like my go-to for years. And now I'm such a big um, proponent of Frontend Masters and that, that they became a big fan of my work. And now they're giving uh, my troops free front and master's accounts, right? Oh, cool. So it's like that. Yeah. So like it's cool that I'm able to pass that on. But like that's how steadfast, steadfast of a fan I am. I'm a, I am of always learning, always improving. Um, same concept with like 
my board members. I have made, you know, Seth Shaw. He was one of my first board members that I brought on. And he I was his biggest fan because I learned Ruby the hard way, learned Python the hard way, things like that. We ended up becoming friends and then go to join my board. Like these are because like I am always trying to ingrain these skills in my life. Like even my house. Like I have like um I think twelve of the lights. And here I have Google Actions set up using JavaScript. Oh, and nice. then yeah, I have Google Home set up and I'm having I'm working on all this stuff. So is like, it like a voice thing where you say, you know, like Star Trek, turn on the living room and it just does it? Trying to figure out a name for it. We picked uh, Hyperion, but like it does like we're trying to find a cool name for it. But nice. it's a lot of voice activated stuff. Uh, we have also uh, we're using a um, what is it called? Like um, these IoT things, like always, get away from me. Oh, well, we're um, making it like the. I know the. Um, not Audrino, the other one. I think like there's Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi. Yeah. There you go. So we're taking a Raspberry Pi and we're going to make a smart mirror as well. And we're going to connect a smart mirror to the APIs that we're building in JavaScript and the APIs that we're using. Like we're, there's so much stuff that I'm just like, I try to incorporate the things that I'm learning and trying to master to every level of my lifestyle. Right. And that's why I try to push to my troops. Like, you know, even like when they do their final projects, and they ask me what they should do. I'm like, you, you're the product, you're the project. Like there is, you're so much, you're so interesting. If you, you weren't interesting, uh, Facebook wouldn't be free to everybody and they wouldn't be like doing everything by ads, right? So I was like, you're interesting. Like, mm -hmm. but look at yourself, like you're boring to you because you're you every day. But when you break down, like I make like um, this week, right? We did, it's our fourth week of a new cohort and one of the things that they had to do was they had to write a javascript object and they had to write um in that object a property value of everything that they about them right so everything they want about them and i was like so some of these people have these giant um, objects called you or their name and they're doing like like one uh, troop has you and their um, object is like a hundred lines long so I'm like yeah I love it so now we're going to teach you how to put that variables do functions dot map dot reduce all this stuff so that way you can manipulate this data about you to be able to tell a story and put this information where you want it like you know this is going to be like your first step like now you're using this giant object and then you're going to move on into using JSON objects instead of this giant object like this is a monster you shouldn't be doing this in production level code and then we're going to move on to using apis because this is how the natural progression of that right but you're yeah, very cool project. so like that's just how i'm always trying to push them to think of themselves in that concept of so, like yes yeah, so try, try and walk us through like vets who code who code so you, you're a developer um at what point did you say um you know, I want to, um, it probably was in your mind the whole time, but at, at some point you, had, you said to yourself, you know, I'm more useful as sort of um, like a, a conduit or, or um, you know, someone who can really get other people off the ground. And so at some point you had to kind of, you know, quit your day job and go straight to Vetsuko. Kind of walk us, actually, I don't think we've done, explained Vetsuko <laughs> too. So kind of walk us through that whole story. I think it's fascinating. Roger that. It was like, it's funny. It's like, oh, fake news. Uh, like the, the best part about that Suco is that it has helped my professional career. I've not had to stop working. And oh, like, nice. I, yeah, I work at CBS as a software engineer. I work on like, I got my dream job because 
of the work I've done with Vetsu Code and building things. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, comicbook.com, like, if, I don't know if you guys, you guys probably know enough about me like that, because like, I don't let my geek flag. <laughs> but I am the biggest Captain America fan that I have been in Captain America fans since, like, at least July of 2007. So, like, I'm a huge Captain America fan, and, like, I have... Have a ridiculous, embarrassing amount of Captain America stuff. I'm not going to get like that. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Podcast because I don't know y'all like that. Y'all don't make fun of me. Well, I don't uh, want to get hit with a shield or anything. So, uh, well, we ain't IRL. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you know the things that I needed. The best thing about Betsu Code was and and simultaneously working because I've been employed the entire time was a I didn't want an organization where I was building something and taking it like I wanted to do the future of nonprofits. And then when it came to technology, uh, the biggest, when I was, when I was a, I mean, I don't know if people can tell know this, I'm a minority in the South. Um, so, you know, you have those disparities that come against you and we think yeah, for of people like, who are listening, I, Jerome is African-American just because you know, <laughs> people are listening might not know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What are you talking about? Um, so you have those disparities, you have those things you have to overcome. And one of the things you have to do is like, you know, inequality when it comes to resources, right? So when you're 20 something and you see this problem that needs to be solved, how do you solve it? Like, how do you raise up, you know, the money for a giant building and physical uh, infrastructure and things like that when you know you're not your dad's not a billionaire or a millionaire right um, you use the tools around you what was the best tool I had the internet so like that's what we started that's how we started we were like the one of the first remote nonprofits stole it which is kind of weird when you think about how nonprofits work because we stole the idea from the for-profit industry but people are like nonprofits are still slow to move to that because like I guess the human condition is still trained to oh I need some place physical to feel like oh I'm giving my money to something that's actually there but I'm like you know the advantages that we had over um, physical locations you know you just can't compare when you you know you're thinking of like a physical location that's spending $1.3 million to, you know, literally help like maybe 50 people and we can do the same thing using five, 6,000. Right. Makes sense. Well, so how did you get started? So at the beginning, did, did you just notice a lot of your friends, um, you know, who are, who are, um, you know, finishing their term in the military were also having the same issues that you had had. Yes, and, and so yes. you saw them kind of walking in your footsteps. Is that what sort of inspired it? What what inspired it was that there was a person who had died because uh, he had took his own life Um, because he was like one of the things that was bothering him and was causing him trauma was the same thing that I was hearing that I heard when I came, you know, to be in the middle of the military in regards to, um, you know, thank you for your service and not qualified. He was doing whatever he could to retrain into the, the type of job that he had had while in the military, uh, which was a mechanic. But the, the opportunity just wasn't there. So, out of, you know, out of despair, this, this young man took his life. And um, I was like, what can I do to help this family? Uh, because the way that things were set up, they, the VA wasn't going to help this family bury him. So I started fundraising for this family using technology, raised 10 grand in like 27 hours. 
and we were able to help this young man, help his family, and you know help them set money aside for his young daughter. So that's how you know we did it. Um, then I, and people were looking at me like, "All right, what else are you gonna do?" And mind you, I think people don't understand that I'm like 26, 27 at this time. I'm stupid. I'm not like I'm not Mark Zuckerberg levels. Like people make me out as a, <laughs> people make me out as a genius, and I'm like, no, I wasn't there. I'm never there. I was never. I was never that guy. Like this is all accident. Uh, and I was like, oh, what? Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Uh, so what am I gonna do? And I was just thinking. I was like, the well, one thing that's the most impactful thing to me is gaining. Um, gaining control and understanding of technology. So I want to be able to do more of that with other veterans, right? Teach veterans about, you know, help veterans get this skill set so that way they can do things and change the world moving forward. Um, And so that's where that is. Yeah, that that makes sense. I'm a firm believer of this idea that, that, um, that, that productivity is actually the root cause for a lot of other things. Like, in other words, it's very difficult to make somebody happy or to make somebody wealthy or to make somebody really anything um, directly. Um, and, and often if you, if you look at the people who win the lottery and then they, they, they're they still miserable. Yeah, they're miserable. Yeah. And then they also blow it all. I mean, so you hear so many stories. It's almost like this Schadenfreude. We, we like to, to, to sort of laugh or have a chuckle at that. But but the reality is you can even just helicopter drop a bucket of what somebody wants and it which will not work. But productivity is that one thing that I think is the cornerstone for really everything else. Everything else is kind of built around that. And so when you take People. somebody who's in the military, who's part of that system, and now they're not in that system anymore, I think that 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 seems like one of the biggest identity shifts that you could you could really do. It's one of the biggest identity shifts in humanity right now. Yeah, well, you know, people want to know that they are worth something, right? People want to know that they contribute. People, you know, from relationships to the, to the job, you know, people want to know that on some level they are part of something bigger. Uh, and they're contributing positively to things, right? They don't want to be, um, you don't want to be the exact opposite, right? Well, most people don't. Um, so when we were initially starting, we were thinking of it the old school way of doing things with like partners and stuff like that. But like I said, biggest caveat was the South. And I don't know if you guys understand about the South. We are like on average two to five years behind what like East Coast and West Coast is doing when it comes to tech. So when like I had when when I was learning things from my New York colleagues, I spent like six months in New York uh, trying to bring down the South. I was essentially speaking Greek to everybody. Like no one knew what I was talking about. So I was having this problem in which I was involved in a community that was in 2008 and I'm in the future. So <laughs> like, how do I help people regardless of the um, constraints of region? And how do I help people start with, start with other constraints of their communities and, you know, what they are like, they are nuggets. Are, you know, the thing about veterans is because the military they, you know, we get shuffled all over the place. So a guy who, like me, uh, may be from the South, but now he's in Ohio, or a guy in California may now be in Detroit or in Mississippi or something because of uh, their military journey. So how do I help people and not let things like region, 
community, uh, location, any of that stuff, like government, none of that stuff get in the way. And it was like the internet, right? So the first thing we did was after doing the website was we started a Slack channel. Second thing we did, uh, um, second thing we did was start a GitHub that organization, and we just kept moving and moving on. Like, what do we need to do to start a nonprofit organization, a nonprofit remote company? What did WordPress do? What did Basecamp do? Those are our two biggest models that we use. Mm-hmm. We use Automatic and uh, Basecamp because, uh, as you, you as people know, Basecamp, Automatic, they're two of the most successful like 80 to 100% remote companies on the market, right? So that's something that I really strongly wanted to emulate. I do not, you know, if, you know, DHH can create Ruby on Rails and, you know, create something that ruled programming for, you know, darn near a decade, then, and from his basement and from his home and, Germany or Switzerland and, and then become like a Formula One driver in his spare time. But <laughs> yeah, I'm right. sure yeah, I'm sure I can help veterans get their passion and skill up in programming, right? And uh, of course, I have natural progression of us initially going into Ruby on Rails because we were like, hey, you know, Ruby on Rails already was very remote work friendly. But the thing that was happening, particularly in American markets, was that because code schools were doing Ruby on Rails as well, and they, you know, code schools were more uh capitalistic so they were just you know jamming out these quite frankly subpar rubius and they were saturating the market to the point where people were not hiring entry-level ruby on rails developers which helped us um, actually find you know we were looking at things no js had just dropped like a drake album by this time and um i was looking at how even though I was a professional Rails programmer at the time when I was getting contracts, it was Rails and like I was getting contracts and people were asking me more JavaScript questions and Ruby on Rails questions because React was coming in and people liked using React with Rails. So I was like, well, I'm getting more and more questions even on these Ruby on Rails on these Ruby on Rails jobs about React and JavaScript than actually using Ruby or Rails. Like they are they don't even care about that stuff. Like hmm, there's something here. So I went to my team and I was like, hey yo guys, we're just gonna we're just gonna drop the whole Ruby area. It's too it's too hard to teach to people who are on Windows machines. Uh, we either gotta get them to dual boot it or it's just a nightmare. Right. And mm-hmm. you know it's just I get we get so busy having to teach the, the framework that it adds like six extra weeks. Like, you know, you know, we were doing 18, 20 week courses because, you know, we had to teach the framework as well as uh, programming fundamentals because, you know, Ruby on Rails is magic. So you really can't, you know, it's what computer programming fundamentals are. And then, you know, like when it comes to architecture and things like that, design architecture, then there's Ruby on Rails. Ruby on Rails does a lot of stuff for you. So you don't really have to care about. Yeah, I mean, they have all the scaffolding and they set up the plugins for the databases. I mean, it's 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 awesome, but it's uh, it's a lot to learn at once not only that it hinders you like the same like when i was first starting it was the big ruby on rails bootstrap angular drive right and they did a lot of the heavy lifting for you so you can make things Mm -hmm. and what we noticed was that because of that you were 
losing a lot of the little things that you know would make you in the long run like it was about more about productivity and getting you able to quickly do things to showcase to an employer so they take a chance to get a job versus taking the time and making sure you had the fundamentals down and you were clean crisp and able to solve problems so that's one that like we teach Mernstack and jamstack but that's like the last like six weeks of the cohort and we focus heavily on javascript the whole time the reason why we teach Mern is because we're able to focus heavily on JavaScript. Um, and same way, like we don't do any you know, like CSS frameworks, none of that stuff, because like, you know, we're I'm about, you know, you have to I'm not so stickler for purists. I'm being a purist. I love CSS frameworks. They make the job so much easier. It's just that in here you need to focus on like this is sparring, right? This is the boxing gym. You can't cut corners in here because you cut corners in here, you're gonna get exposed in the ring, right? Yeah. That so makes sense. So yeah. that's how I approach it. What, so. what about like, uh, you know, getting back to, so now people kind of have a, have an understanding of Vetsu code. So it's, it's, it's this service that you provide. Is it online or do people physically come to a classroom? We are having our first IRL cohort in Nashville. Uh, it's terrifying this year, <laughs> but uh, most, cause like it's the one thing I didn't want to do ever. And like, yeah, that's and right. Comcast gave me 10 grand to do it. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm setting this up now. Nice. Uh, so it's like now I'm doing all this work to make sure that Nashville has their own BWC cohort, like always going on. Like, so that way, if I like, oh, if I move, I'm like, okay, uh, you guys are, I've done my, you know, good deed in community. Um, so yeah, so we're doing that, but most of our classes are online and we do that because, you know, it helps us find. The type of troops and people it's more so like we don't want to confine people who are willing to do the work because of locale um one great example of that is we have a student named um, andrew an alumni andrew james and he uh when he first met me i thought he was a troll he reached out to, him to get more information about vetsu code and you know he needed someone to help mentor him to get him on his goals and he was in finland and i was like you know, you're ISIS. Let me block you. Like, <laughs> so he, said, he hit me up on Twitter because he first hit me up on LinkedIn. I was like, block. Then he hit me up on Twitter like, hey, no, I was, I'm was i a real person. So it's like, you're lying. Like, all right, let's get on a Google. Let's get on a chat. I was just asking you questions about, you know, yeah. aircraft you saw, things like that. Yeah. So, so we're on this Google uh, video chat and I'm like, okay, you're a real person. You are you. You're not trying to like, like, well, you know, ask for no secrets because I don't have them. But he turned out like he had a very unique story. He was, he got a contract to work overseas in Finland, made the love of his life, stayed five years, was about to marry her. Um, but his family had, with his mom, dad, or older, they were sick. He wanted to come back home, but he realized he didn't really have like a quickly transferable skill to get a job when he came back to America. So this is about Suko comes in. And we're, while he's overseas in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> to me, right? Finland is probably awesome, but to me, it just sounds cold when I say the name. Yeah, I mean, so, if you're at the uh, top of Finland, you're you're having a chilly time. Yeah, like he was telling us, like, you know, people put their, like, it's so cold that people just, they, they go through, like, a mini depression, but they also, like, put the babies out there during the cold so they can get acclimated to it quicker. Like, wait, what? so people put babies. Yes, I know, right? When I was like, for real, like yeah, my parents. My parents <laughs> told me that in in um, in Italy, where where my parents are from, they would um, they would throw babies in the water 
to get them acclimated to swimming. I mean, of course, they'd go catch them, but <laughs> it's like you'd be like one and a half, two years old. They just throw like, you in the water. Like, yo, this is abuse. In America, this is child abuse. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, that. if I did that, you know, here, they'd have me facing a wall, you know? Well, I know. I'm like, don't, don't, don't do what your Italian relatives do. <laughs> uh, so... Like we were going through this process of training him while there, and then he started work doing the visa work for his uh, significant other, and they ended up coming here. He ended up doing more training while here. Um, he had to spend a few time like doing some apprenticeship stuff while doing going through that process. Ended up getting his first job as a senior software engineer in Dallas at Verizon. So we were like, cool. holy crap, like, yo, your first job and you're a senior? I'm like, that was not my first job in tech. And that, like, made me super happy because I was like, yo, my, my troops are getting jobs that are, like, way bigger and cooler than my first job out the gate. Like, so, that's yeah, like <laughs> tell us about that. I mean, you let's say, you know, so obviously there's going to be some employers where you show up, you say, high school degree, time in the military, Fed to code, I have the skills, and they just say go home, right? There's going to be no, other well, people. That's the yeah. mis. Um, well, I think that's big um, mis being misconstrued. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just hey, they're just VWC troops. We focus on making sure they have the things to showcase their work. Like oh, that their GitHub's are fleshed out, their code pens are fleshed out. You know, they're able to answer the questions intelligently. You know, we are training them and programming fundamentals. Like there's a section of our cohort mm-hmm. where they're just focusing on computer science by itself, right? And then they're, you know, they're, but they're building from point from week one all the way to week 16. And they, you know, from the gate, if we stay, we focus on one language so we can focus more on fundamentals and uh, paradigms that are in computer science versus jumping from language and language framework framework mm-hmm. so that way they can get better and because program like you know i think uh hiring managers i mean facebook is one of them as a great example hiring managers are getting better and getting smarter and they're realizing that the degree doesn't mean anything facebook apple microsoft they've all dropped the degree um uh, the mandatory degree um aspect mm-hmm. of like getting a job there so they are learning that the things that they do like while it takes a, a unique level of aptitude to get to the level now that's just um at that level right those are the big three you know in the, in the organization like you know that's the thor captain america <laughs> yeah no uh, yeah America. obviously there's not there there's um i'm not saying that that companies as a whole do that but i'm saying you know there's going to be someone out there some hiring manager out there who has that bias, right? And so one of the things I've noticed from just talking to a lot of people who want to sort of make this switch is that is that it's one of these things, if you get it in your head, it you can kind of make it, it can kind of feel more real than it really is, right? And so I think a lot of it is about, you know, interviewing well and also about having sort of that confidence um, you know, while the industry is kind of going through this transition, because as you said, you know, it wasn't more than maybe five years ago, they were having degrees as a requirement. Now they're not. How do we sort of give people the confidence? I think you kind of hinted at this with, you know, building a really solid GitHub portfolio and things like that. Um, but what, what do you sort of teach? Maybe it's the last lesson or something like that. But what do you teach at the end? It's say, this is how you walk into an interview and walk away with a job. Well, see, that's the thing. We don't teach that at the end. We teach that at the beginning because 
you know, it goes back to discipline equals freedom, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're anxious, if you don't feel like you're you belong, if you're you're going to fail if you don't do the work. And that's mm-hmm. the secret, right? It, VWC, our, our Slack channel is filled with people who are, you know, experts in the industry. Everywhere we have, everyone from um, engineering managers at Google, at Google Cloud in there, people from Facebook, Microsoft, there to help you. And our curriculum's designed around, like, what it requires to build a production-level product in MernStack and JamStack that these companies would like be appreciative of. And we put you on production level code. We teach, we go through that. So with people that I've always said, you know, you know, do the work. I come, the confidence comes from doing the work, you know, uh, I like, cause I'm a combat sport fan. I always go back to combat sports, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Tyson wasn't confident because, you know, he was buff. He was confident because he had, years and years of experience of knocking people out so yep, he knew yep. that he could do it right? have you seen uh were you a big fan of early ufc like ufc one yeah. ufc two oh yeah, yeah i've been yeah it's unbelievable i mean I, I it's been a long time since i saw that but i remember watching some of those and you know there were no weight classes uh they didn't wear mouth guards there's, there's basically no you get elbow to the back of the head it's just insane back then and yeah, but, uh, yeah mike but, tyson was insane it's just i don't know if we'll ever get back to like those those days were just wild oh yeah well it's good but going back to that analogy when you think about the gracies mm-hmm. they had the confidence to compete with that regardless knowing that there was no you know there's there was no protections yep. because yep. of literally generations of putting in the work so when it comes i i, I have a i fully believe that confidence is a byproduct of you know knowing knowing your stuff right so that's where that whole analogy comes from like if you're pushing code every day you're writing code every day you're studying you're if you are obsessing about this at least two to four hours a day i try to tell them like you know what at least dedicate 25 minutes to this like every day 25 minutes is a small price to pay um for programming that you i mean especially like in this current era when it comes to javascript in general it's you know this is the golden era of JavaScript education and tools. Like 80% of the best stuff out there is free. The other upper echelon of that stuff that isn't free, I mean, you they are always doing discount codes and sales on, like, you know, and you know, you have syntax, so you can listen about JavaScript and things about the industry while driving when it comes to JavaScript. You have guys like you guys doing programming throwdown, getting you know tidbits. Like we're in the golden era of programming where people are just literally getting, like you know, looking all over the place and like to give you the tools, you know, like hand deliver them to you almost. When I started, that wasn't you know, it was still like kind of like the Wild Wild West, kind of elitist stuff going mm-hmm. on. Well, you know, so I'm like, you know, there's no excuse. Like, just do the work. Be willing to do the work. Take the bruises. Like I said, it's a skill. So every day is a Monday, and some Mondays suck. So you have to understand that, and you have to be able to, you know, put one foot forward and from the other. And understand your goal is to get simply 1% better versus trying, like, you're not going to become a programmer every night, but 1% is different. It's going to change every time. You look at it at that 1%, 1% changes incrementally, like, from day to day. And 1% today is going to be able to build, you know, 
actually, you know, remember HTML, uh, how to put HTML on there. Like then tomorrow, your one percent is you're gonna know the command and image with HTML on there. Like you know, you don't even think about it. One uh, percent after that, it's not only you're gonna be able to do all that. You're also gonna know all the things you need to change for web accessibility purposes. The one percent after that is not only gonna be able to do that. You'll be able to scaffold the CSS and the styling as easy, with as easy as you can. So one percent changes incrementally if you're doing the work. And that's where the confidence comes from. And that's where I'm being able to, you know, answer the questions and get the skills like you need for the interviews, as well as, you know, like VWC, we don't leave it just up to them. Like we connect them with a mentor, like after block one, which ends tomorrow for them, we start assigning them mentors uh, based upon their, strength, their strengths and weaknesses, right? So that's one thing, like, you know, Twitter is like a, goal mine for being able to find mentors uh being able to read people's journeys and seeing where they were 10 years from now and like in the secret uh, I, um sarah drasner she tells his story about how uh this uh art teacher this pottery teacher told two groups in the classroom that there's um, that you can be great at two ways whoever does one group can you have to do at least 50 pots um, in order to get an A in other group, you have to give me a perfect pot. But the problem was the ones who did the perf who did the fifty pots turned out higher quality work than the people who were theorizing the the whole time and just trying to get the one perfect pot. So you have the same way with code, right? You have to constantly build, constantly show up, constantly do things that you may not may not be your best work to get to your best work, right? Yeah, there's and um, there was this I can't remember the gentleman who said this, but um, the idea was um, you know, the if you so I think they talked about it in terms of art. They said if you have a really good eye for art, you know you just are a natural. Then the first thing you draw is going to look so much worse to you than someone who doesn't have a good neck. And actually, Patrick and I have talked about this. I mean, I'm I have no musical ability at all, and I got this app where you could uh, kind of just with your finger on the iPad kind of make different melodies. And they all sound amazing to me. And and I, I wanted to send it to all my friends. And I realized, wait a minute, I have zero talent. It just looks amazing, sounds amazing to me because I have zero talent, right? And the opposite is also true. The people who are who have a really, really good eye and have a good passion for software engineering, the first thing they write might really, really disappoint them. But that's where they have to realize sort of that that paradox exists. They have to kind of push through and get better and better. Yeah, like, you know, that's a secret. The secret of, like, I mean, confidence is, you know, how, confidence is a skill. Like, everything, when it comes down to a lot of things that we experience are skills. And the only way you, you get them is you build them. Like, even with interviewing is a skill. You have to practice interviewing. That's one of the things we do at VWC. We let them practice interviewing. We do mock interviews. We go, when I have my one-on-ones with people, I'm like, hey, uh, I want to go through some mock interview drills. Like I like those who are still looking in the process of getting a job or if they're looking to get a new job. Like, hey, okay, sh- send me your resume. Let's see what's going on. Let's all right, again, let me look at your LinkedIn, things like that. Like That's where the whole mentorship aspect comes in. Like Having somebody that's gone that way helps you. But you still got to do the work, right? And that's how you grow and how you get better, right? So I just, like I said, we have a saying in VWC called skills pay the bills. And like that's how I look at it. It's like what you do. Um, Vetsu code and coding is very similar in the idea that you get out what you put in. 
it's not the other way around. You know, you can't show up a few times and then expect someone giving you a $60,000 job, $70,000, $80,000. No, you know, what you... Um, what you're willing to put in the work is what you're going to get out. People look at my trajectory and they think it's like, you know, super speed and like fast. And like, you got to understand, like for over a decade or like, I guess I like to say half a decade because I don't count the first, especially at, you know, when I was at the Department of Home Security, it's like legitimate programming because it was database stuff. Um, but I've been obsessing over this. So when I'm not working, if I, when I'm not at work working and looking up solutions, I'm at home looking up solutions for Vetsu Code. I'm time boxing things. I'm teaching the things that I use at work. I'm applying the things I use at work to my nonprofit. I'm taking the same tools that I use at work that I find I love. And I'm coming out of the out of a billion dollar company and teaching rookies how to use these exact same tools on the level of that a billion dollar company does, right? So yeah. that's where that whole, like, that's the secret sauce. Like, you know, where one thing pays and helps the other, right? You know, um, the founders of EWC, we all three of us work at really cool places. I'm at CBS, uh, Noel, he's at USAA, uh, Andrew is at USA Today. And we come and we teach people things that we know that works at, you know, this is what works at this level. So this is what we're going to teach you. So that's, you know, we used to teach, we used to teach some things that other people were doing and we're like, I'm never, I'm never going to touch uh, Canvas a day in my life. I've never, I've whole life never touched Canvas on production level <laughs> yeah, code. Yeah. Not going to teach it. Um, you know, but we teach GraphQL because guess what? We, people are moving towards GraphQL on production level code. We teach React because people move towards that. We teach Firebase because Firebase works is a great way to, you know, use databases without actually having to do database stuff. And it's very JavaScript oriented. So instead of using MongoDB, we use Firebase, right? It's mm -hmm. just an easier way to do it. Uh, we focus on JavaScript and ES6. We focus on how to write, turn jQuery into JavaScript. We do things that, hey, oh, you will have to do this on the job. Like, don't, I mean, if you go into a job where there's like a 10, 15 year old code base, you're going to be turning, writing somebody's JavaScript, uh, writing JavaScript out of somebody's jQuery. It's going to be poorly documented. Uh, one of our board members, uh, Brian Holt, he used to work at Reddit and Netflix. And I was just in channel. I was like, hey, does anyone have any like really crappy CSS files that I can throw at the students so they can focus on debugging, cleaning up, and trying to implement CSS grid and Flexbox into? Because that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to find there's going to be some really old code base that needs something that's more modern installed into it for a new feature. And you're going to have to combat those code styles and things like that, how to code defensively and things like that. So you can, you know, make stuff work. And he was like, oh, I think I can find some crappy thing that I was like prototyping once upon a time, one of my old jobs. It's like, yes, awesome. Find that. Let's uh, do that. That's the type of, that's the style that I work on. I'm like, I we our lessons and our ideals come from real world experience, right? So it's like, hey, I have been in a situation where you are battling a seventeen, eighteen thousand dollar, eight, nine thousand, eighteen thousand uh, line of uh, a code base, 
uh, CSS and you're adding CSS grid and flex to it, but you're fighting a 18,000 line main CSS file over here. So, <laughs> so like you're having to write, you have to write code defensively just to do the work that you want to do, make the show up the way you want it to make it show up. So I try to put those lessons when I, when I experience something gives me pain, I'm like, let me, if this does not spark joy, let me make sure that it sparks joy with other people. Like that's my philosophy, right? Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, like, you know, it's a, you know, best of code is like, you know, breadcrumbs to those who are willing to do the work, right? So yeah, what about that's that's a really good point. So I think you know, in the case of Fetsu Code, there are some veterans are very enthusiastic. They um, and you give them an amazing opportunity, right? What about there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of civvies. There's a lot of people who are students. <laughs> there's a lot of people who who Vetsu Code isn't the right thing for them. Um, what uh, you know? What would you recommend to them as something that you know can you know, it, it, it could be sort of a good proxy for Vetsu code for people who either aren't veterans or, you know, they, they um, you know, want to try something different. Uh, see, that's tough because I try like, I try to stay in my lane. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> like, first and foremost, like, everything that's going to cover me is going to cover the point of view of a veteran who learned how to code yep, and yep. Uh, is a JavaScript developer. So it's really hard for me to give, like, advice like that for if you don't come from that. I can give you the tips and things that the, I, I wouldn't say tips, but these are basically literally things that I see that here's, here's something that if you focus on, um, will be, you'll be successful in the resources that I recommend to everyone all the time. Um, first thing I always recommend is pick something that you're passionate about. Like in the end, like the languages don't matter as much as if you're passionate about solving that problem. Uh, I don't know about being a programmer if it wasn't for Vetsu code, right? Like, or if it, like, I tell people that all the time. If I wasn't trying to solve this problem, I don't know about a state as motivated as I was. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there was there was no one around motivating me to become a programmer. Like, I live in the South where programming is nowhere near the biggest industry. Like in Nashville, it's getting there, especially with Amazon coming in and stuff like that. But where I was at when I was in Memphis, it wasn't something, particularly in minority communities, wasn't something that was being like shouted from the rooftops as an option, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I have no idea like what would have happened if I hadn't had something to work towards, something for betterment. When you're, especially when you're with everybody who's around you that knows this or is. Um, rooting you on is in New York or they're in San Francisco. Like, it's really weird to like, I tell people, my biggest supporters are all either in New York or San Francisco. I don't understand <laughs> how this little Southern boy end up getting fans in New York and San Francisco. Like, it's cool. Like, mama, I made it. Uh, it's a beauty of the internet, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that's the biggest thing. Find something you're passionate about. Like, you know, I chose JavaScript because I truly believe it is what I like to call the working man's tool is something that is not, you know, the speed of it and the ideals of it when it was from when it was first created to now has made it really hard to be gated by universities because a universities don't teach it um, b because it's more functional than object oriented uh you really can't um gate it with like a lot of cs fundamentals because it's functional programming um 
you know, it's, it's just as much creativity as it is logic. It's, you know, it's right there in every browser on the world in the world. So you can, you have direct access to it, even from regardless of how crappy your computer is, like you can have like an old windows box or the sleekest MacBook out there. And it's still going JavaScript is still going to work in the browser. Right. Yeah. Yep. So that's why I chose JavaScript. You know, it just made everything that I wanted to do with everyone and every tool easier. And, you know, we're in, in the after the Node.js boom, you know, or, you know, like I say, the Drake mixtape drop. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it just exploded everywhere with React, Ember, Angular, Vue.js, Node, Express, Next, Gatsby. You know, we have the Jamstack, we have Mern Stack, we have Mean Stack. We have Vern View, well, not um, Vert Merv Stat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the beauty like, of the beauty of JavaScript I, is is you know it's so easy to show somebody. Um, you, know, you just get a VPS, you and and you can just easily go to someone and say, "Hey, go to this URL and check out my cool website." Um, it's not yeah. you know go to the Play Store. You know, have to sign up for this beta version of the app, and then oh, I started it and it crashed. You know, it's. it's the deployment is something that where you can immediately, uh, you know, get some feedback. I think it's really important for people early on to yeah. to to for, for them to say, show something to your mom and she says, "Wow, that's that's amazing! I can't believe you made that by yourself." And just kind of get that or, going. You know, and like like I said, the tools like you know, you have CodePen, you have uh, GitHub, you have Repl.it. Like these three tools are changing the game of like CS education in general, mm-hmm. and you know, they are just. They make it so much easier. They make it easy to showcase what you're doing. So I re- I recommend those three tools to anyone on top of Stack Overflow. Stack Overflow is getting better. I'm going to be intrigued to what happens with this new CEO shakeup that's going on. Um, yep, yep. Because, you know, even I have been bitten by the inexperienced bug going to Stack Overflow and expecting people to love me and be happy. I don't know. There's something about <laughs> there's something about Stack Overflow developers and them hating everybody. I'm like, I guess you guys don't drink enough coffee. Maybe you drink coffee black. I'm like, nah, I'm cool. That. Uh, <laughs> this is true of almost every online community. Um, you know, there's always just a like a cabal of veterans who are who are uh, not to overload the term veterans, but a cabal of people who have been in that community forever. And uh, they're usually, yeah, I mean, hostile is not the right word. It's just like dismissive. You know, and Stack Overflow is one of those where you could submit a question and someone will just like kill your question. They say, oh, it's it's too much opinion. It's kind of like... Out. It's kind of like NIMBY, but for tech. Yes. Like, yeah, true. it's like NIMBY for tech. It's like <laughs> it's not true. in my backyard. Oh, it's awesome that you can, if you want to learn this question, but not over here, go yeah. play somewhere else, little rookie. So like- I think I'm it's an artifact whole- of this, 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 this wave we're seeing where just everything you do is part of some democratic vote. It's like you can't even just tell someone happy birthday without, you know, uh, seeing like how many votes did I get? You know, how many- whatever it is, how many hearts did I get on Twitter, right? And so as soon as you kind of put that on everything, I think you kind of yeah. you know, create that atmosphere. Yeah, you create that dopamine hit. And so people are either afraid because they don't think they're smart enough to do it, so they avoid you altogether, or you have these people who are always doing it because and they become the rock stars because they built that clout or credentials up, right? Yep. Uh, but then that's also how, you know, 
when, when you do that, the best idea usually doesn't, doesn't always gravitate towards the top because it's more you've done it in a manner to where it's a popularity contest now versus, hey, let's try this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're absolutely right. Um, but So uh, the, like- the Vetsu Code, so it's, it's a nonprofit. It's distributed throughout the whole country or even maybe the whole world. Um, there's, world, there's, yeah. yeah, there's, there's <laughs> veterans all over the world. Um, yeah. uh, what are, are you sort of, um, are you like hiring for teachers or people to help with the website or what's, what's, well, what's that situation? If there's a, if there's someone, let's say just graduating college and they say, you know, I really want to help out this organization any way I can. Um, what, what's sort of a, a way that they can contribute? All right. So the way we do this is, first of all, it's a pro bono. Like I said, I don't make any money over it. They gave me money and then I put the money right back into the community. Like that's how I like how I do things like or I put the money in new resources. Mm-hmm. And um, like we're about to either we're about to grab two new um, companies as sponsors, but technology sponsors. I literally what well, that's what happens. They like I they gave me the funds and I spent a bunch of money to make sure infrastructure and stuff is going to be taken care of for like the next five years for everyone. And then we're adding up two new projects now because I was like, Oh, we have the funds for it. There you go. Bam. Done. Um, how I like what we do, the, the troops work on the products because so that way they can get confidence and, you know, experience and build in production level code. Uh, I started doing that when I was seeing that, Hey, everything that I was building when it came to VWC was helping me and I'm kind of at a level where everyone already knows that I'm involved with VWC. Like I can't hide it. I can't go on an interview and people not know that I'm involved with VWC, right? They Google me. Oh, there's you. Tell me more about this. And like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Like, this is awkward. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is a crazy first date. You stalking me already. Okay. (laughs) Um, so like when I was like, you know what, maybe I should let other people drive and like focus on the board, like focus on the Kanban board and make the issues and the tickets and do the mock-ups and then start there and then, you know, start forecasting more. Like when we two years ago started looking at, you know, I wanted to move into React with the with VWC's uh, web app, but I didn't want to add a complex backend. And Gatsby was just coming up and the rise of Jamstack was just coming up. And I was like, this is what we should do. And so I started putting the tickets and doing the discovery for that and letting the troops drive that. And within like, I gave them a year to do it. Then three months, they transferred the entire stack to um, uh, Gatsby Jamstack app. Right. So and now what we're doing, like we have this a new domain we just bought. That's who dot codes. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're going to turn that into a directory. And what's going to happen with that is our new troops that are in our alpha project, our alpha team right now. They are going through learning right now. They, that's going to be their project. They're going to be building, you know, vetsu.code, so, which is going to be a directory for everybody that's in the Vetsu Code community. And then the Bravo team, we've already got their next phase of the project, which is going to be focusing on the job board portion of vetsu.codes, right? And then we have, right now, we have like, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the book, um, Team of Teams. No, uh, I haven't. By, yeah, Let by, me check uh, the, I'm going to add this to my list. 
Yeah, General McChrystal, uh, he does that. Like, if you notice, I read a lot of stuff from, like, generals and stuff. Yeah, that's great. Uh, uh, yeah, Iraqi, Iraq War, against them were um, generals, like, you know, how they, because, how, you know, how they changed combat was really, in, in a less violent way, when you take when you take away the violence, it mimics a lot of agile and combat methodologies, right? So mm-hmm. now we do a lot of things that are teams of teams, right? You know, we have the leadership quote unquote team, which is the dumbest thing on earth because I'm like I tell you all, I'm the most unqualified leader here. Like I, I want to shoot breeze and drink beer with the rest of you guys. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be in charge. Why do I have to like? Why do I have to make rules? Like just stupid. Uh, then, uh, but we have. People who basically the executive team, and then executive team is a head of usually a head of their own team. So we have the, t- the code pen team. They handle all the code pen stuff, um, designs. When we do things like special, like you know, we did a New Year's uh, dra- uh, disco ball drop and react. Oh, nice. Yeah, they handle stuff like that. Got a ton of likes. Everybody loved it. They shared it. Code pen loved it. Everybody was happy. We got pick pen of the day. It was awesome, right? Cool. Um, they, you know, they even put me on weird things. Like, did you know, there's, there's such a thing as a White Castle Valentine's. You mean like, like a White burger? White Castle. Yeah, White Castle does a Valentine's Day <laughs> dinner, and it's like has a cult following. Did not Sounds know. Awesome. That. I know they IKEA co- does one. That's the one I've heard of. IKEA does a Valentine's Day dinner. They put me on to something brand new, and I was like, okay, so this is real. This is like, you know, this is not like some, this isn't April Fool's early. Like, what's going on? So, okay, like, so that's things they do. We have the product team. They focus on keeping the product, um, basically keeping the web app up, cleaning it up, fixing it, coming up with ideas. The, I handle the mock-ups for that. Um, I do all my mock-ups in HTML, CSS, JavaScript, because, like, you can design in a browser now, so there's no need for me to, like, you know, open up a Photoshop file ever. Um, yep. So, I like, that's what they do. Uh, then we have uh, we have mentorship team. that They focus on, the, and then the, within the mentorship team, there are two mentorship teams. One is for, you know, current students, and one is for alumni. So, we have continuing education mentorship team headed up by Daniel Pritchett, and then we have a um, troop mentorship team headed up by Mark Locklear. And what they, what Mark handles, he focuses on mentors who are strong in JavaScript to be able to assign them to troops who are learning JavaScript, while uh, Daniel, he focuses on troops who have jobs, and then he lets them go, you know, understand next steps. It is okay to learn other languages. Like, I'm like dad in the organization. Like, no, we're going to stick to JavaScript. That's what we're going to do because that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. But Daniel's mom, and he's like, no, baby, you can go learn Go. You can go. You can do Don't listen to him. You can do whatever you want to. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're be off. <laughs> so, what about like people, you know, uh, you might have a lot of, uh, I do, like people in the military are always traveling, right? But there are definitely some people who, especially when you think about veterans, have sort of settled down. And I know that you know, a few times we've talked about how, you know, all of the sort of programming energy seems to concentrate in a few places, right? Um, do you feel like that's going to change? Do you tell people to, you know, move to New York or San Francisco? Uh, you know, what's the sort of, you know, what's your sort of like feeling about that? Uh, like, how's that going to evolve? 
Oh, it's evolving now. Like, it's super, like, there's, like, another Drake analogy. What a time to be alive, right? Because <laughs> uh, it's already already, already evolving. Like, like I said, everything is five years, like, behind. And while now, while um, New York and uh, Silicon Valley is kind of getting code on the coding buzz, you know, now the South and the Midwest are kind of like, oh, we want to be in on this because, you know, I, like I said, I'm a big combat fan. I believe in the fighter analogy. Um, and the best fighters live in boring places like Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Stockton, California make great mixed martial artists because oh, there's nothing else to Yeah, because there's nothing else to do there. So, like, you know, <laughs> you're either drinking or fighting. So, like, same concept with, like, programmers. Like, you know, uh, Silicon Slopes or, you know, when you're going to Utah, like Utah Plural Sites there. Uh, Brian Holt is from there. Uh, go further north, Ontario, um, where there's no, uh, Hamilton, where there's nowhere, nothing to do. West Boss is from there. So the more boring the place, the better the JavaScript developers are. Like, that's what I'm just, I'm learning that. Like, the, the less there is to do, the better the talent. And, like, that's what's coming down here. Like, you know, right, I've gotten two opportunities to speak um, at conferences uh, with no CFP. They're just like, yeah, we would love for you to come down. I'm like, oh, okay. In Mississippi and Georgia. Like, so, like, I'm very happy to finally be able to speak in my backyard versus um, having to go, you know, either to New York or to California for talk for speaking engagements. Although I do have one in Columbia, like, which is my first international speaking engagement, which is going to be cray. Oh, uh, I thought you went to college at first. <laughs> no, no. Okay. In the country. Like, cool. uh, like it's super, like, it's going to be insane. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, and Patrick and I have talked about this before, but, but, you know, I think the whole remote work revolution, you know, we're just kind of waiting for that shoe to there. drop, you know? It's almost there because, yep, you yep. know, in the end, you know, we are one of the few jobs where you don't need to be in the room. And because we require, you know, you ever read the book Deep Work and things like that, like, oh, you know, how Bill Gates takes all the books he's going to read in the year and, you know, sprites off into the woods yeah. and reads them, like, in solitude. Which is, if you, like, yeah, that's a little bit too extreme. He's a billionaire, so I can't hate. Uh, <laughs> must have done uh, something right. Yeah, you know, maybe here's something too going into the woods for a week with like every book you're gonna read and then coming out like with all this knowledge. I don't know. Like, you know, he makes more money than me, so I can't you know yeah. I think it's I think it's a weird flex, but okay, but you know, whatever. Um like that the idea of deep work being at home where you're already comfortable and you're able to do that deep work with little to no, you know, interruption or maybe go to like a co-work space if you have to. Like I'm one of those people where like I am half and half, where like I have to be cut off, but I like don't have to leave the house. Like I turn my dining room area into my like work my remote office when I'm at home because I'm like, oh, I don't invite people over like that anyway. What I need is big space and big table. Like, I don't like yep. people like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I think it's like one of the like great sort of ironies of Silicon Valley is that you know we built you know, video conferencing as much as we you know have trouble with it and we make fun of it. You know, it's, it gets better and better every year, and now it's it's so powerful that you can call almost anyone, and uh, and yet you know everyone's trying to pile into a few cities. But, oh, um, only, yeah, I think it will not, get better. Not only that, our tools are integrating remote work better. Like, um, 
my favorite app, right, is Visual Studio Code, text editor, yeah, all the places. Super nice. Yeah, they their live share feature now has audio and chat. So I don't we can literally just say, you know what, we're gonna shut Zoom down, everybody go to this live share, and we are going to talk and chat while pairing. Wait, what is That's I don't a, know about this. You can actually yes. uh, like stream yourself coding. Is that is that what you this can, is? Yes, everybody can live everybody can jump on live share and pair together while talking. At the same time, like it's amazing. Like wow. it's like I don't know. It's I don't know. It's the best thing since peanut butter and jelly was put together. Mm. Like, Patrick and I, we're, we're gonna have to go on Twitch, and maybe yeah, the I, three of us. The three of us are gonna have to go on Twitch and stream ourselves making something crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's the most like I absolutely love it. My like yo, I just I used it today, and I was like, man, what a time to be alive! Like you know, no having to use Skype or Zoom at the same time, or even if you're in Slack, right? You can now from Slack. You know, let's jump on a call, and you just press the call feature in Slack, and then you know, there you go. Yeah, right Call and Slack. Okay, this this nice. All right, no having to fire up another uh, app like the app companies have decided. The services have have you know like made it so that it's so much easier for us to integrate the idea of being human and human interaction into our work, right? Because in the end, that's what the thing was missing with being a programmer, right? Because people tend to think, especially the more uh, collegiate style programmers they program for computers when the secret is we supposed to program for humans to understand programming not for the computer because the computer is going to compile and run it regardless so you mm -hmm. might as well you know code for the person that's going to come after you right computer yep. doesn't care yep. so. yeah there's this saying <laughs> that uh you know um if your code gets peer-reviewed which you know if you're on any sort of team that's going to happen then right off the bat it's been read by twice as many people that have written it so you wrote it but two people have read it and that's before yeah. it even goes into the repository you know chances are hundreds maybe thousands of people are going to read it after that yeah and you know that's the you know that's the secret sauce of programming right programming for human interaction and not for the computer because the computer doesn't care right <laughs> um so but we did we not get off on like a crazy tangent? We we're talking about trying tips for like people that are in college yeah, I mean, and stuff. I, I think you know, I think you you had a really good point, which was you know, to find out, you know, sort of what your passion is. One of the ways that I've sort of discovered the things that I um are really passionate about is is do I kind of is it something that I can do till two in the morning and I'm still kind of excited and have to kind of yes. force myself to go to bed? And there are yes. things uh that 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 bring that out of me, but they're not valuable. Like playing video games, I could easily play video games till four in the morning, but so can everyone else. And so I can't. That's not a that's not a skill that's really like marketable, right? But honestly, I, I, like, well, like solving puzzles. Esports, I don't know esports. Like they have a um, the first high school esports team just opened up. Uh, Air oh, really? Force has nice. an esports team now so and there's a college like college have esports teams i am also that one dude who cannot do more than like 30 40 minutes of gaming because if i <laughs> yeah. do like i get bored like there's no video game that's yep. gonna keep me on the game for an hour i'm like how i don't get it like my friends they make fun of me like i can't stay on a game for three four hours so i'm like you guys like 
when do you guys go outside? Like, when do you guys go to movies? Like, I'm a movie guy. I'm a bruncher. Like, I want to go, like, I have my Instagram is full of food. I don't know anything like, like, uh, I want to awesome. go outside and, like, I want to eat at that cool new place or I want to go to, like, Cheekwood, like, like, understand my city. Oh, there's an Indian spot. They're in Indian before. Let's go there. I'm like, I'm a fat kid. Like, I love cake. So I'm my, my parents are, are, are the same way. Like, my parents love to just take uh, me out uh, when I was little on, on drives around the town. And I'd always think, this is so dumb. Like, we would just, we would just drive around the town looking for a restaurant, uh, you know, that we hadn't been to. And, and uh, we lived in, in, uh, um, we, we also lived in the South. And so we'd go to random cities. We'd go to places that were um, like really out there in the boonies. We'd eat at restaurants where people would look at us pretty weird because it's just these like like pretty Italian people just kind of show up at like a biker bar. Uh, but you know, my parents, that was their thing. They could just drive around looking at different restaurants and stuff. And, and that, you know, gave them a lot of energy. So a lot of people feel like they need to find, you know, that one thing, that one, you know, dream uh, uh, you know, job or dream strength, but it really doesn't work that way. I think, you know, you actually, any person out there has a lot of strengths, a lot of things that they could do that would, that would be very fulfilling for them. And it's really just finding out like overlaying that on top of the market because you know, the market, you know, good, bad, it's not going to change. You know, I'd, I'd love to live in a world where everyone spent, you know, 20 K a year on art and they got 20 K a year of value out of it. And our artists could be doing great. But the market is what it is. Like we can't change it, right? So, so like look at the sort of things that you could bring to the table, and look at the market and say, is there? You know, where is that overlap where I could do the job that I would you know be doing for free, but also make you know great money? Yeah, I mean, going back to that analogy of like loving video games, being able to build the games that you would love to play. You know, that's where that, that or. You know, uh, fashion. I I know so many people. Like I, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Ken Wheeler. Ken Wheeler is my favorite person. No, I haven't heard because, of him. Yeah, Ken. A because Ken is like two steps like to the left of crazy. Like it's my <laughs> first favorite play um, reason. But he has this really storied history of being a high school dropout and then trying to get, and then going back and trying to go to college and trying to be a rapper and having all these things that he loved but like failed. But found himself learning JavaScript and becoming really, really good at it. And now, you know, he's a Google developer expert, does all these things, but you would never believe that when you're right looking at his code, this is some, you know, dude that one day wanted to be like Eminem, like for real, like, <laughs> like, you, you look like when you talk to him, you're like, oh yeah, because I make fun of him, like, oh, you know, with sunglasses, he look a little bit like Pitbull, like it's kind of weird, <laughs> like, <laughs> but you know, it's just, those are, those are the things, like, you know, I have a colleague, uh, she's really, she was really big into fashion before she ended up getting into data science, and it was that using like fashion and fashion trends that you know really helped her focus on that track of data science. So like you know, same way with you know food. I think that helped me with design, like and learning like like uh, color psychology and stuff because you know like food, different foods with different vibrancies and like things like that. Like when you're talking about like, your parents uh, try driving all over the place looking for restaurants, it's like you know you get to learn different things about your city just through the food. Like you know Nashville is famous for its hot chicken, right? Everybody yep, talks about yep. Nashville hot chicken. People never talk about the fact that 
Nashville's also famous for Maxwell House coffee because that's my Maxwell House is literally here. Uh, I have a buddy from Nashville who says uh, the ribs, like you know, I, I am a big fan of Texas ribs, and he just told me I can't be your friend anymore. Like he said, uh, Nashville he is, ribs are magic. He is lying. Like don't listen to him. You can't oh, be his friend because he, he's lying. <laughs> uh, oh, no, Memphis, Memphis ribs. Sorry, he said Memphis. Yeah, ribs okay. Are Memphis magic. ribs are yeah. Memphis ribs are like Memphis for ribs. Texas for pulled pork. South Carolina, just don't even go for the barbecue. It's weird. <laughs> um, uh, but like Nashville is also, we have a um, bar here, like a, not a bar bar, it's a cotton candy bar because Nashville's the home of the creation of cotton candy. And, you know, like things like that, like, oh man, it's so such a huge thing to like beat your creative juices and like keep you going. Like that's like things for me to help me like, learn more about UI and history. I'm like, I'm all over the place when it comes to like front end development and how for me, like food and cooking, like I've been like this year has been like this secret of like focusing on food science for me. And I've been learning more about development and programming through cooking because focusing on serious eats and food lab and temperatures and like mm-hmm. what makes what 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 meat you could cook with this or if you're going pescatarian what, what type of you know what type of fish are best for this type of dish and you know vegetables and stuff like that and like mastery of having to make ramen and like dude, so do, I you, do you post about this on your twitter do you post uh, like some of your best friend. recipes things you've cooked things I, like that? I I am on the Instagram like oh Instagram. You, my, okay yeah my, cool. my personal Instagram is filled with Captain America my puppy and like <laughs> nice. like Captain America like you would think I'm just a I'm a Captain America fan who has a dog who likes food like that's pretty much all that's on like my Instagram that's so, awesome that's what you be on everyone so what about like people who want to know more about uh, you know, about you, your experience, Vetsu Code, these kind of things. How can people kind of reach out? Uh, should they follow your Twitter? You know, how, would, how can people keep up to date with what's going on? Roger, I don't really tweet about VWC stuff and JavaScript on Twitter. So at Drone Hardaway on Twitter, at Vetsu Code on Twitter, the Vetsu Code website. Um, I'm a pretty much open book when it comes to that on cool. Twitter as well. I love having conversations. Uh, when it comes to like people that want to help, we have like certain protocols. Like we try to make sure that people who are mentors, they um, they have at least two years of experience in the industry, um, either in JavaScript or something else. Been north of that. And when it comes to people touching our product, we kind of only need the product for the veterans because you sure. know if you get a ticket then it's going to keep a veteran from getting a ticket. Yeah, right? I mean, the best way um, to, to, you know, yes, part of that course is to, is to build the next course, right? Or to build something and have it go in production. Like, just know that, like, you know, like every time a troop builds something in production, you know, a uh, drill sergeant gets his wings. <laughs> yeah, right? that's right. Teach uh, a man to fish, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe a drill sergeant loses his voice. Maybe we should do that one. Uh, <laughs> But that, that, that's what people really want. Um, nice. Yeah, so that's like those cool. are like certain um, prerogatives, priorities. But we're always looking for people who you know you fit those that criteria, particularly in the JavaScript um, when it comes to ES six things like that. Pure JavaScript, the nuts and bolts. Like we're always looking for people who are you know who have that experience. Very cool. Yeah, we and, definitely you know now that the podcast has been going for a while, we definitely have folks who. Uh, you know, have been in their career for, for years. Obviously, there's there's people who even listen to us from the beginning who, who you know, are career professionals. And if any of you out there 
um, you know, have a strong background in JavaScript. Um, this is an amazing opportunity to sort of give back, right? And and to you know, you, you never underestimate sort of like how important it is to have reciprocity, right? I mean, every time you give something, you always get something back. Um, so if, if you have that experience, definitely. Personally, I'm absolutely terrible at building websites. I'll be honest. I think it's an amazing skill to have um, um, to have sort of that ability to kind of lay everything out kind of in your mind. Um, you know, also the whole that that full stack uh, client server, all of that. Um, but I think you know, if you if you're out there and you have that skill, this is just a really amazing opportunity. You know, hit up Jerome on on Twitter um, and and tell him you hey I want to be a mentor. You know, I want to try and help out. And uh, you know, I want to teach the next generation, and and I think in that way you could really contribute. Roger that, yeah, that's the um, that's the best way. Like we're always looking for people who are willing to help the next generation of veterans learn JavaScript. It's like you said that you know, giving back it gives. You know, when you teach, you become a better you become better at what you're teaching, and you know, for that person that's learning, that helps them build their confidence. Like that's where the whole you know. I matter come from like someone's you know someone's investing in me and then you know veterans are weird like that like they need to know that people are investing in them and depending on them for them to like you know in, like, like get serious like I think it's coming from the military where you're accustomed to dealing with that stress of like having the world on your shoulders like oh yes like if you mess up at work the missiles don't go down or oh, people don't come back home hey it's the reality of the beast right I had a you buddy uh, <laughs> I have a buddy who's uh, was in the military and he was saying he set up um you know, Microsoft Exchange, the email servers, he set them up on FOBs, on, on Ford operating bases. Yeah, and, FOBs. Um, FOBs, yeah. And he said, uh, I asked him what it was like, and he said, well, just imagine, you know, trying to set up someone's email, but there's bombs landing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, wow. Okay, that really, it's like all these things, the way he said it was, it was very short, but it really kind of created sort of cognitive distance, like put everything in perspective, you know. Yeah, we were, uh, one of my exes, we were going through a first aid course together, but I already went through like a combat lifesaver course like years ago, and I was just flying through it and doing well, and she was mad at me about it, because like, we just wanted to go through this uh, CPR first aid thing, because my, my nieces and nephews are coming over, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a week with me, oh my goodness, like the military did not train me for that. Um, <laughs> So I was making fun of her, and I was like, "Yo, everything you can do, I can do with bombs dropping over, dropping over me." And she was like, "Just shut up, Jerome." I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna shut up now." So I, uh, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, yeah like, there. Patrick's yeah. laughing. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, th- thank you so much for for your time. This is absolutely amazing. Um, I really, uh, I know there's a, a lot of strong JavaScript developers who listen to the show. Uh, I really encourage all of y'all to reach out to Jerome. Um, let us know if 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 uh, um, if you had any uh, other questions for him or anything like that. And we tried to cover all the ones that that came our way. Um, but you could also just reach out to to Jerome directly. He's very accessible. Yeah, I like. I mean, I like giving the the tools and things. Like I'm going on a journey right now called. Um, I'm calling it. Um, JavaScript D fatigue because uh, you know there's so many resources out there that yeah. you can learn from. So I am like I am going to focus on one year only this one resource 
and only the resources that are recommended from this one resource. And I am documenting like my skills based upon that. Like, hey, I'm only doing one thing and only thing that comes from and only things that come from this thing. And I'm gonna tell you guys my experience from that. So like, cool. you know, especially with JavaScript developers. I love JavaScript developers. Like people are looking to get into JavaScript, like tweet me, I'll send you like I'll let you know what stuff you need to but, oh, focus on this, don't focus on that. Learn this, don't learn that. It's cool. Like, especially front ends, love front ends. So if you're if you're wanting to like I feel like there's no uh, more rewarding industry than front end development because in the end, no matter how intricate the back end is, how like or how big the data set is or how detailed the data set is, you know, people aren't gonna care if it doesn't look pretty, right? Like that's just how people are. Like Facebook is one of the most like you know, when you look at the machine learning and stuff that goes on, like, it's insane. But it didn't get there because of machine learning. It got there because people liked the experience they had with the app, right? So, because that's how, you know, in the end, people have to like things and people have to want to look at it, right? Same way with any, you know, clothes, cars, anything else. That's the web. So, yeah, like, it's like, sense. you know, you're always going... You're the, it's like being a gate guard or a elite gate guard in the military. You're the first line of defense. You're the first thing that the that the person is going to see, and like so, you have to you have to bring it because your job, how what you were, how well you you do at your job depends on the how hard the other guys have to work, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. like you know, yeah, I mean, you can you can have a bad first impression and say, well, that 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 was really unfortunate. But then the next day you, you're meeting somebody else. But if you have a bad website, you know your whole company could could be gone. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh yeah. There's a <laughs> like I, I recently found a website that was so bad I almost volunteered to do the site for her. like because I loved like I loved her Instagram like the product she was selling like I loved her Instagram. I was like, yo, I'm going to buy some of this for my lady because she's gonna love this stuff. Went to the website. I was like, I'm not putting my credit card in this. Like, <laughs> like this was like that that bad neighborhood on SpongeBob. Like no, I'm not gonna do that. Not gonna do that. No. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so. thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's at Jerome Hardaway. And uh, yeah. for is does Vetsu Code have a have a Twitter or is that the same one? Yeah, at Vetsu Code. At Vetsu Code. Cool. Yeah, where the website is VetsuCode.io, GitHub repo, and GitHub organizations, Vetsu Code. Uh, we're starting uh, two new projects that the troops are going to start working on. Uh, so if you're looking for hiring troops, just check out, or people for speaking in organizations or anything, um, opportunities or anything, you'll be looking at. Uh, the vetswho.codes uh, that's going to be one project we're rolling out and then we're rolling out our vetswhocode.github.io so that way like people be able to keep up with projects and things that we're doing in the organization without having to look at github uh, we have yeah. a lot of things rolling coming down the pipeline so very, very cool cool thanks a lot and uh, thanks everyone for subscribing on patreon um, you're subscribing on, on audible using our audible uh, link to, to get that um, I hope you really enjoyed this ep this interview. I definitely did. I thought I, I learned a ton about uh, uh, about JavaScript. I learned a lot about military service and what that's like. And and thank you again for coming on the show, Jerome. And uh, thank you all for listening. Catch you next month. Thank you guys for having me. The intro music is Axo by Binar Pilot. Programming Throwdown is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 2.0 license. 
You're free to share, copy, distribute, transmit the work, to remix, adapt the work, but you must provide uh, attribution uh, to uh, Patrick and I and uh, share alike in kind.